0: Welcome to Practically Political. I'm Dave Spencer.
1: And I'm Carrie Sheffield. Let's get to it. All right, Dave, so it looks like New York Governor... Failed New York Governor Andrew Cuomo is looking to resuscitate his horrible career. Um, he's got an unethical, fawning media to rely on. And there's obviously the notoriously corrupt New York State political machine, which seems ready to assist Cuomo again. That includes the new mayor, Eric Adams, who just met Cuomo for a love fest dinner and said he had a lot to learn yeah. from Cuomo. Um, I'm just really upset about all of this, and I know that your family has a long illustrious political career in New York. Is there anything that could stop Cuomo from taking power again to do more damage?
0: Yes. Well, let me say a couple of things. You know, the first of all, what got Cuomo out of power was not the corruption, though that's definitely there. It wasn't the malfeasance, uh, like sticking all those old people in COVID Petri dishes, though that was certainly there. But it was the fact that he had no friends. You know, he was the antithesis of the Bill Clinton political model, where you try to make as many friends, you, you you take a cab somewhere and you send the guy a note when you get home, right? You can't have too many friends. And then if things, when the going gets tough, people are there to help you. Well, Andrew Cuomo didn't have any of those. And that's what well, that's what brought him down. And I would give Eric Adams a pass. You know, the guy is the mayor of New York. He's got a huge task. Crime is way up. He's got a lot of his plate. He was elected to make his city streets safer. So don't blame the guy for trying to get some advice from an old political, uh, I, I, I use the term in quotation marks, legend. But to answer your question, no, I don't think Andrew Cuomo will come back precisely for the reasons that, that I've said. I just believe that he's got too much baggage. He made too many enemies. And the longer that we get into the, what I think now is the post COVID era. In other words, this is an endemic, not a pandemic. And even a lot of blue states, California, we're finally lifting our mask mandate next week. People are gonna realize how wrong he was. So I think, uh, you know, he's like a fine cheese. He's not gonna improve with age. (laughs) Fine wines do, cheeses do not. So I think he's gonna just get more smelly as, uh, as time goes on. What are your thoughts?
1: Oh, Dave, I hope you're right. I really do. Uh, Your lips to God's ears, because this is, uh, from what I've heard, he wants a vendetta run against the attorney general, Letitia James. And he's actually planning to file a complaint against her because a lot, all of these charges so far on the harassment have been dropped. And I talked to Janice Dean, who's the Fox News senior meteorologist whose in-laws died in these nursing homes in, in New York. And she told me that she thinks the reason they were dropped is that there was some sort of Deal that was made before he left office that, OK, we'll we'll avoid you from getting impeachment, because that's really, I think, why he stepped on is he didn't want to get impeached and removed, because that's where the Democrats were heading at that point based on the polling. Um, I said, Absolutely. OK, wait till all blows over and then we'll do these backroom deals and maybe he'll run again. And that's what really upsets me is that this guy wants blood. Uh, And it's in some ways he's really he's furious with Letitia James because he helped to create her in some respects uh, or at least, you know, allowed her to rise. Um, And then you see her. She took down him because she wanted to run for governor. And now she saw she had nowhere to go in the polls. So then she's like, "Okay, I'm withdrawing my campaign. These two people have this like vendetta. And what's really upsetting to me is that he might actually get back to power in part. And this is where you and I, I. I'm bringing him up this time. Democrats might want him to go after Trump because that's what Leticia James is doing, and Cuomo would say, "I'll go harder."
0: Well, it, it does make me chortle a little bit because when you mention someone who was disgraced, who is a loser, who wants to run again, who has a bunch of vendettas—God, I swear—that sounds like someone you've been supporting. I, I'm sure. I'm sure the name will uh, come to me at some point, but yeah, unfortunately, you know, this is the one of the sad. Uh, Remnants of the Trump era is that there's no such thing as shame There's no such thing as rock bottom as we'll discuss later in the show So unfortunately, this is a legacy and uh, I would say a cancer in our politics that spread and we're this is not the last time We're gonna see it. So well, my question for you is the Wall Street Journal not this week ran not one but two very complimentary pieces by Holman Jenkins and Bill Galston on Joe Biden and his handling of the Russia-Ukraine crisis. They said he might be the man of the moment. They highlighted how un-Obama-like he had been in terms of his response, not just in terms of finally getting Germany to acquiesce on the Nord Stream pipeline, but lining up our allies, really being proactive, a lot of stuff that Obama didn't do after 2014. So. Are you, uh, doesn't B- Biden deserve some credit for handling this situation well?
1: Uh, look, Dave, you know, I love you, but I think the New York Times, it's the New York Times, and so what they're doing here is basically no, the Wall Street Journal, uh, praising no, oh, I thought you said it was the New York Times. No, the New Wall Street uh,
0: Journal ran two pieces by the Wall Street Journal, that's what I'm saying. So, Wall Street Journal that ran two uh-huh. pieces this week, well, that's by a Holman Jenkins okay, fine, and Bill in Galston, this case, praising him. And you know the you know the journal has not been uh, his uh, his cheerleaders to put it mildly.
1: Fair, well, uh, and sometimes I disagree with the Wall Street Journal, and it would be in this case. I also listen. William Galston is their resident you know center left person, so I I always do, I, I basically very regularly disagree with William Galston. Okay. But uh, the thing is, it's like William Galston is praising the arsonist for putting out the fire in this case because Joe Biden is the one who started all of this. The reason why Putin has amassed hundreds of thousands of troops is because of Afghanistan. The insane level of weakness, dysfunction, um, and uh, overriding his his own military guides in Afghanistan that resulted in the deaths. Uh, And now there's gonna be millions of Afghan children and women and civilians who are gonna starve because of what Joe Biden did by allowing the Taliban to uh, blow through all of the conditions-based withdrawals, uh, requirements that were supposed to be in place. Um, So that weakness is what empowered Putin to do this, because Putin did this in 2014 under Obama. He invaded Ukraine. And with Georgia in 2008, he did it under W. Bush. He did not do it under Trump. He did not invade because he knew that there would be repercussions. And so what Biden is doing, he incentivized it through his weakness. And so the fact that now, okay, maybe it's not as bad as 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 William Galston, you know, wants it, you know, whatever. Okay, it could be worse, I'll give him that. But the Ukrainian government themselves have spoken out and said, Biden, what you're doing is a disaster. You're making things worse. You're stoking the fire here. So we have the Ukrainians who are the target of the Russian ire being upset about this. Uh, And then you have uh, Biden coming out and saying, we're going to abandon the American citizens here, we're washing our hands. I think that's a failure of leadership. So I have nothing positive to say. Oh, and the Germany thing. uh, It it was actually comical, but sad how in the press conference, he's standing there. Biden is standing next to the chancellor of Germany. They're not saying the same thing about Nord Stream 2. Biden says one thing and then the Germany says, "Um, yeah, we're not going to actually commit on Nord Stream 2. So I thought it was a disaster. But, you know, it could it could have been worse. I I guess I will give that. But it's been a disaster.
0: Well, I I take a step back because, again, I think, you know, I think that every once in a while it's important to acknowledge, even if you don't support someone overall, when they've done good things. You know, and I haven't heard that from you with Biden. I do it with Trump uh, because I try to be fair. And the way I see this situation is taking a step back. Putin actually overplayed his hand. He thought that the West was not gonna get their uh, house in order so much. He didn't count on the alliances standing up to him. And G- Germany, Olaf Scholz is a brand new chairman after Merkel being in there for so long, right? So I think that Biden was very smart in the sense that he publicly said, if there's an invasion, Nord Stream is dead. And But he allowed Scholz not to publicly have to commit completely to it. So. That helps him on the home front. But I can guarantee you if there's an invasion, Nord Stream will be dead. But that's not the issue. The issue is Putin now has to figure out a face-saving way out. And I will just say again, this is one area where you and I agree on a lot of stuff, but where we probably disagree the most, and I think I have the strongest argument, is Putin and Trump. Putin had something on Trump. Trump fawned on him for four years, whether it's inviting every, you know, the ambassador and a couple of other people into the Oval Office with no one. It's whether taking Putin over his own intelligence agencies. It's trying to get, I mean, the, the cringeworthy list goes on and on. All dictators are emboldened by Donald Trump because he's an authoritarian wannabe. The guy endorsed Viktor Orban, uh, the dictator, as they call him in Hungary. He is an authoritarian. And you can look at it in terms of what he's trying to do with the election. And, you know, that is what is the bottom line. And so now Putin wasn't expecting such a strong res- response from the West because he's gotten milk toast from Trump for four years, nothing but fawning. The guy never criticized him once. At least Biden got in the first month he was in office, he called him a killer. I'll give you the last word.
1: Uh, proof is in the pudding. Putin never brought 100,000 troops to the Ukrainian border That's because the border wasn't Trump. there. That.
0: during yeah, the, the timing Olympics. wasn't there's there because Biden wasn't
1: in office.
0: No, it was, the look at Georgia wasn't was after there because- 2008, Crimea was after 2014, and now that there's the Winter Olympics after 22, part of Putin's strategy, he always has a distracting thing going on, and it's worked very well. And by, by the way, Obama was very weak with Crimea. I mean, they did pass the Menitsky Act, which Putin went nuts because it attacks the oligarchs, the source of his power, but it wasn't nearly enough. But anyway, so what's your what's your next question? I can't wait.
1: <laughs> well, look. Okay, Dave. I know we've talked a lot about inflation and we've been talking about it for months now, and every time you talk about it, you're always saying it's it's transitory. It's transitory. It's transitory. Okay, at what point we just had a 40-year record for inflation. At what point does infl- inflation stop becoming transitory? First of all, and then second of all, why isn't the Biden administration doing more to fight it? And is this going to be the, the death knell for Democrats, at least well, for this year okay. in
0: November? No, that's a, that's a very good question. So let's take a couple of steps back here. First of all, some perspective. The last report was at 7.5%. Yes, that's bad. And yes, I guess I don't know what the exact stats are, but it may be the worst it's been in 40 years. But you have to remember, it was 18% two years before that. That's, that's more than 2.5 times worse. And so, to answer your question, when is it going to end? I have maintained it will end pretty much when COVID ends, which is putting unusual and unnatural stresses on everything from our supply chain. You know, these these truckers in in Ottawa is just the latest clo- uh, cloaking, clocking up the Windsor Bridge, which, if you can believe it, twenty five percent of trade between U.S. and Canada comes across that one bridge. So again, this stuff is going on. So to answer answer your question again. If we still have inflation come September, then I will say, Carrie, you were right. I was wrong. It was not transitory. It's more than just supply chain issue. It's more than just tight inventories. It's more than just this up, this pent up demand. It's more than all this money sitting on the sidelines. Too much money trying to buy too many, too few things. So all that stuff, I think, right now is more of a factor than endemic inflation. But to answer your question, come September, I will admit that I was wrong if we're still at 7% inflation. I think by September, we'll be at 3 to 4%. But as you would say, from my lips to God's ears, right?
1: <laughs> we shall see.
0: So my question, again, gets back to that, you know, is like, when will you acknowledge things? And that is that. You know, as I've always said with our 45th president, there's no such thing as rock bottom. And over the last couple of weeks, we've had an admission that he tried to overturn the election, which disproves your theory that he, that he never wanted to stay. Mike Pence acknowledged he was wrong. You had the RNC fiasco of basically saying it was, what's the quote, legitimate political discourse. There we go. So I guess my question for you is, as a staunch Trump supporter, When are you gonna start saying, okay, we need to stand up for what the Republican Party used to be. I need to finally take a stand because, let's face it, okay? Obviously, people from the left are not gonna reach the base. And people like me who are Republicans but have been never never Trumpers from the start. We don't think Donald Trump is a Republican. We think he's best described as a right-wing illiberal populist. So, But people like you have credibility. You know, you can go on Fox News and people will listen. So when are you going to start saying, at what point is it going to take for you to say enough? We need to stand up for democracy over party.
1: Well, it's interesting because uh, I was, and I've talked about this very publicly and then people can see the tape. In 2016, I was a never Trump Republican. Through the end, I did a, a writing candidate for Ben Sass. And so I understand all of the concerns in terms of the language and the character issues and all those questions. I think that part of my behavior. my problem, well, it, part of my problem, I think, with my analysis at that point was that it's about understanding what what are the policies that this person stands for, and the fact that someone says things and does things. Um, again, this is how politicians are. I I I, I don't think you would say that Hillary Clinton is a saint or that Joe Biden is a saint. When you look at the things that Hunter Biden's son and his family, the way his son has profited off his family I mean, it, and the way that the media suppressed the story about Hunter Biden and his incredible connections that were uh, just deeply unethical and the way that that story was suppressed by the media and the technology companies, that's how politicians are. They are. It, it's just uh, it's a dirty world. So I, I guess clutching the pearls, wow. I think that I was clutching the pearls in many respects. Um, I think that the 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 question of, um, you know, what does what does Trump represent? And let's get to those issues, because what he is is he's way more than just one person. He represents a, tens of millions of people who have been deeply disaffected by the system as it currently stands. And he's not actually that right wing because you, you describe him as right wing. He turned the Republican Party actually to the left on issues like or Excuse me, uh, trade. Um, you know, trade. Yeah, deals, abandoning uh, GOP uh,
0: principles.
1: Well, no, but but that's how he was able to get uh, blue. That's populism. That's
0: populism. Remember, that's why but, he's but a populist. How, he's not a Republican. The anti-trade is populism. But let me just respond to what you said because. You know, one of the things I love, we got new phrases, and with you, I've coined the case there's false equivalency, and then with you, there are false non equivalencies. I mean, this idea of trying to link Hillary Clinton, who conceded the election the night of it. Uh, No, 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 no. no. I'm talking about Hillary Clinton's. Hold on. on, Sorry, sorry. Hold on. But let me just finish. And so there's, and that's talk. I'm talking about actions. You are seeing here a a plan to overturn the election, you are seeing things, a ground being laid for the same type of thing in, in 2024, except now you may not have the Brad Raffensburgers in Georgia and those kind of people that stood up to this. So my point is, and here's the question, because I, I didn't hear you answer it, at what point are you gonna say enough is enough? What does Trump have to do for you to finally say, I've had it? Put aside what he stands for. I'm not saying that some of the stuff that he stands for, you might not agree, or right? Some of the stuff he's done, I supported. But at what point are you gonna say enough is enough?
1: Well, I, I, I think at the end of the day, it really has more to do with what the voters have to say about it, So you're, so you're not gonna answer the question? Um, well, no, I, 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 we've talked through very frequently about what exactly he's done.
0: No, but I'm saying this is new stuff. He, but this is new stuff, this is you, you know, before, there, you, there was some, at least I couldn't prove as conclusively, disprove your theory that he never wanted to leave office or that it was just trying to stand up for the people or, you know, all this. And now there's more and more stuff. I mean, you know, literally the White House toilet was, toilets were clogged because he was flushing documents down the toilet that he shouldn't have been, you know, I mean, the list, you know, it just goes on and on. So at my point, at, at some point, there's got to be something that'll break for you. Is it is it when he's got to actually get up there and, and physically try to do something instead of talking about it, instead of... I, I just... What, at what point will you say, okay, democracy has to come before a party?
1: Well, the the documents, uh, he has... Uh, I know there's been concerns about... He, but You're him, addressing individual things. This is an overall opinion, Carrie. Well, yeah.
0: But I mean, can't no, you... No, but I, you I'm trying to address because you're bringing up so many things. At what point will you say enough is enough?
1: I, I don't think... I mean, the, okay. the, this is a free okay. country. He can he can run for office, Dave. Yes, he but he cannot
0: overturn election. And he can't tell the vice president yeah, not he to. He can't. All right, and so this is the stuff that yeah. that was in doubt before that he did. So uh, you know, this 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 man, his president was a criminal. His presidency was a criminal enterprise, and there's more and more well, proof as he that pointed it comes out. out of it. I,
1: as he pointed out, Trump has said, OK, why is Congress trying to do the Electoral Count Act if there was any question at all? Why put this in place if you're saying that that it wasn't it wasn't legal at all or that there was zero legal analysis that said that Pence could have done something? Why would you even need to do the Electoral Count Act? Because well, the Electoral so Count explicit, Act right? is, is a and nebulous the thing is, part. I agree.
0: Right, but i I'm well, and that, about like, and that,
1: that's what he's saying is that
0: get, like getting fake electors to to send in their their ballots, you know, trying to show up at the Michigan State Capitol pretending to be the real electors. This is all the stuff that he and his like Sidney Powell and and uh, uh, Rudy Giuliani and these you know this this basket of deplorables to use our favorite phrase that they were going around. Peter Navarro's another one. God. So, anyway, all right. Well, I guess I'm not going to get an answer, but it's a great <laughs> well, it's a great it. topic. <laughs> but I ha- before I we mean, go I- before we go, I have to ask you though. Did you hear the latest gem from Marjorie Taylor Greene? She complained oh, about Nancy soup. Pelosi and the gazpacho police. <laughs> yeah, oh, that, God, that, that, that was the, the gaschop police. I guess I'm laughing and I should be crying because MTG represents the apotheosis of the dumbing down of the the, the the dim-wittedness of our party. And do you remember when the Republican Party used to be the party of ideas? Remember people like William F. Buckley? Now we stand for obstruction, and internalizing the big lie. Hey, we even, you're not gonna believe this, but five years ago, we even had a platform.
1: Well, look, we all put our foots in our mouth, our foots, our feet in our <laughs> mouth at some point. I, I think the uh, case in point. Um, but the, uh, you know, I, what she says to me is similar to what AOC says when she goes down to it's Florida not, without a mask. Another and false says, You just want to date me.
0: A- AOC says, oh. is not calling people Nazis. AOC is not like is. that. She
1: is. She's calling, calling them white
0: supremacists. You know, circulating cartoons She's, of Marjorie Taylor Greene being killed. You know, the Democrats are off the deep end. Look, you know, I have no defense of the squad. I can't stand all four of them, whether it's Rashida Tlaib advocating for getting rid of prisons, whether it's, you know, the anti-Semitism of Ilan Omar. I mean, believe me, I don't care for any of them. But that is a lot different than advocating for the murder of your colleagues and referring to everyone. But the fact that she couldn't even get Gestapo right, it just, don't you miss the days when the Republican Party was the party of ideas and intellect? Don't you miss that a little bit?
1: I I don't want to
0: sound elitist because I'm not, you know, I'm not. Giving an inch would help. It would help make you, you know, people, it's important to at least acknowledge when, when your team isn't what they used to be. (laughs) Anyway, God, always another, another great debate. It's, uh, it's great having you on the show. I love it. It's always done with, with intensity, but, uh, humor and respect. Um, Well, I'm Dave Spencer. Thanks so much again for joining us on another episode of Practically Political.
1: We'll see you next time and make sure to see us on social media. We will catch there.